Welcome back to seeing life from a different angle. I decided today to carry on what it is I've started a couple of times and petered out. And that is to bring into this podcast um, a reading by C.S. Lewis. You know, I think that much has changed in my life over the past year. I've come to a greater and deeper understanding of myself and of my relationships to my fellow man. And while I know that sounds deep and penetratingly braggadocious, it's not meant to be. What I'm really trying to say is that I have come to recognize, you know, that there is more to the world than me, you know, and it has been a very humbling experience in many ways. And one of the people I think that encapsulates really what it is I was trying to do or I'm trying to do with this podcast, which is a combination of psychology and theology and philosophy. That is no better encapsulated than I think in the works of C.S. Lewis. You know, he, he struggled himself with his own atheism, with the loss of his mother, with the unhealthy, unhappy relationship he had with his father, and his own struggles with atheism which I think is not an uncommon thing for all of us to go through. I think if it's likely that most of us at some point in time or another have been, you know, doubtful, if not doubtful, agnostic, if not agnostic, atheistic. One way or another, there's always a struggle. And I think Lewis kind of presents us with this great opportunity to kind of explore who we really are, how we got to this place, what it is that makes us tick, for want of a better and sillier word. So what I thought I would do is I would read today from uh, this book that I have that's uh, edited by Walter Hooper, who was one of C.S. Lewis's late in life friends and colleagues and his, his secretary. Um, he put together this book, um, C.S. Lewis Readings for Meditation and Reflection. And I'm like to read the snippet for you. And it is from The Problem of Pain, chapter 3. When Christianity says that God loves man, it means that God loves man. Not that he has some disinterested, because really indifferent, concern for our welfare, but that in awful and surprising truth, we are the objects of his love. You ask for a loving God, you have one. The great spirit you so lightly invoked the Lord of terrible aspects, is present. Not a senile benevolence that drowsily wishes you to be happy in your own way. Not the cold philanthropy of a conscientious magistrate, nor the care of a host who feels responsible for the comfort of his guests, but the consuming fire himself, the love that made the worlds, persistent as the artist's love for his work, and as despotic as a man's love for a dog, jealous, inexorable, exacting as love between the sexes. When I read this the first time, I had to read it obviously many times, I think to, to really get to the depth of this, because I think it does speak to something really important. And it goes back to something we have talked about in previous podcasts, which is the realms of morality. You know, we, we believe, foolishly so, um, even to the point sometimes of an illusion, maybe even a delusion, that we really know what happiness is. 
we think we know what happiness is. We also think we know what we want God to be. You know, how many times have we said to ourselves, if only God would give me this, then I would believe. Or if God, you know, if God doesn't give me this, he doesn't want me to be happy. What's wrong with God? But I think the truth of it is that God knows what happiness is. He sees our definition and he recognizes that it falls really short because ultimately, what is our goal? The ego's goal within us is to maintain our status quo. And what is that but to say, whatever it is I need to do to survive, whatever it is I need to do in order to reduce tension in myself psychologically and physically, I will do. And so we spend our whole lives trying to maintain the status quo because that is all the ego is really consciously aware of. But it doesn't mean that deep inside, within the unconscious, as Freud talked about, there isn't an awareness, a connection with God. I believe that it does exist. It gets repressed because it doesn't fit into how we see the world. It doesn't fit into how it is we have to function. And that's why fear rules our lives. It isn't love that rules our lives. It is fear. And yet here we have this beautiful, beautiful being in God, in Christ, in the Holy Spirit. We have this beautiful being that says love is here. Love does exist. You know, it says you ask for a loving God. You have one. And yes, we do. We ask for a loving God. But what do we do when we ask? Yes, we have one. But do we see him? And the answer is oftentimes no. You know, the thing of it is that God is aware of what it is that goes on inside of us. He seeks to make the unconscious conscious. And by that, I mean to make us aware of that deeper, more abiding love. You know, it's our choice. But how sad it is that we tend to vacillate and we tend to say, no, 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 no. I mean, I will love God when things are going my way and I will feel joy and happiness, or at least what I believe to be joy and happiness when things are going my way. But the truth of it is, as C.S. Lewis talked about, you know, God is the source of our love. And if we choose not to see that, it's because our ego says it is easier to live by what it is I'm familiar with than to live by what it is that truly exists within inside of me. Be well.